Hey everybody, it's your girl Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of Lolo, Glassboro, New Jersey. You know it! Right here on BlacksitRadio.com. How y'all doing? What's up? Um, I am just excited to be here today. I am just excited to introduce you to our new guest, um, Rhonda Johnson. She is one of the creators and founders of the Blingo Group in Boquete. Um, Rhonda, Blingo means black gringos. And I know in Panama, I don't know how popular it is in other places in Central and South America, but they call Americans here gringos, okay? So blingo stands for black um, gringos. And um, I'm really excited to talk to her and I'm actually going to be interviewing her um, children as well to get their perspective on, you know, young people, you know, some of them are school age when they moved um, to Boquete and um, just see how they like this. So we've been doing a lot of talk about Boquete. This is an amazing interview and I ain't got time to sit and chit and chit chat and smile. Y'all know the deal. Hang in tight with me for just a second. And I'm going to bring her on in and get her on the line. This is Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama on BlackSitRadio.com. Hang with me, y'all. I'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama. And I'm coming to you today to make sure that you know about our new Black Expats in Panama community platform. That's right, our BEAT community platform, or BCP. That can be found at blackexpatsinpanama.net. Just click on that link that says, join the community. There you will find businesses, groups. As members, you'll be um, privy to events, you can have you can sell things with the classified um, section. You'll get exclusive information offering and interviews. You get discounts on Black Expats in Panama meetups and tours and ITA global um, events as well, and so much more. So go over there, check out the membership, see which one is right for you, and let us know if you have any questions. Thank you. Hey, Miss Rhonda, welcome to the show. How are you? I am doing much better. You know, I've been talking about Boquete Girl because I had a cold. Like, I got a cold the last day I was there. And I'm telling you, it has been hard to kick. It's hard. I don't know. I had I had a bronchitis or something, and I couldn't get rid of it either. It took a whole month. Yes. We went, they got these neat tests and we like, we off the subject already, but since we're talking, they actually have a, um, a test and uh-huh. it, it took me all the way back to COVID because it was a swab, but that's because uh-huh. I, because I still have some congestion. I feel a lot better, but I still okay. have congestion. So I just wanted to make sure, you know, I wasn't contagious and everything like that. Right, right. So um swab it tests for covid it tests for i think two different strains of the flu and also a respiratory virus yeah so we both went got checked by the doctor because alfredo got it too we got checked by the doctor and took those tests and everything was negative so i was happy about that but anyway hello my love hey i'm glad to have you on the show and it was really such a pleasure meeting you um, when when I came to Boquete and learning about what, what you guys are doing out there. So just go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and tell us where you're from, how you ended up in Panama. Go ahead, girl. Well, the, the show is yours, baby. Well, first, before I get started, when you were here, we had you on the radio here. I have had two of our restauranteurs here ask about you and ask about yes and ask about how to get in touch with you so um we might be expanding you here we got to get you back here girlfriend i'm coming um yeah 
That's um, awesome. That was, it was really exciting for me because I was like, oh, she made a mark here. <laughs> and you made a mark too, Rhonda, because when I came back and I still have more videos to do, but it was like everybody was waiting for me to go to Boquete. And yes. Then, oh my God, I'm so glad you went. And I have to, I want you to go on to the YouTube, our YouTube channel and look at some of the comments okay. um, under that video that, that um, the one that I did, I did a video where we were talking to all the, um, the blingos and I did snippets from that. So I did one video of that. And then of course we had the video of the radio, um, the radio interview and people are asking, how do I get in touch with them? Because I'm, you know, I want to, I want to check out Boquete now. And it's like, I'm okay. so, you know, they're so glad that we got to go out there and see things for ourselves. So got, so, so thank you for that, um, for sharing my information and I'll be happy to talk with the restaurateurs. <laughs> it's quite a thing here in Boquete to, um, we have a restaurant row. And since we have a pretty decent size expat community, plus uh, Boquete tends to be the place that people from Panama City and people from David use for their vacation spot. We're kind of like the Florida of, <laughs> of Panama. So you get a lot of people who uh, have homes here uh, and they live in the city and they have homes here. They, ha they live in David and they have homes here. And um, when people come here, they'll come here for the festivals and for the music and for, uh, we've got a big entertainment community as well, which I happen to be a part of. Yeah. So my name is Rhonda, Rhonda Johnson. I have lived here in Bouquete for five years. I just had my fifth year anniversary. Uh, okay, you said you came on your birthday? I did. Okay. I moved here. I got a new house for my birthday. Oh, I've got oh, a new country. Here. Yeah, I know. A new country, a new <laughs> house. Um, I moved with a, with a very large family. There was a family mm -hmm. of eight. Yeah. And we moved here from the States with just a backpack and a suitcase. So a family of eight. And what state did you come from? We came from Indiana, which is wow. right after about maybe three hours from Chicago. We have family in Chicago. We go visit. And, um, and about another hour and a half from Indianapolis. So, so of, of that eight, how was that family comprised as far as adults and children? So we have my mom, I have two daughters mm -hmm. and three sons and my husband and myself. Okay. All right. So it's also multi-generational. Okay. That's awesome. And yeah. um, had your, when they came, when you all came to Boquete and you made that move from Indiana, um, how did you come? Did you drive? Had they ever been? Had any of the other family members been there? Had you been there to check it out? How did that happen? We moved sight unseen. We were we found as a family, we were um, losing each other. So um, this one was going to soccer practice and this one was going to dance practice. And this one, we were going all kind of different ways and our, I think our American culture isn't set up the way the Latin culture is. Mm -mm. And my husband's Puerto Rican mm -hmm. and his culture is more very unified family. So the family works very together. Very yeah, very tight-knit. Tight and, and I didn't find, we didn't find that America held that um tight knit and norm it's not the culture yeah yeah it it's not the culture it's not the american culture the minute the child turns 18 they're supposed to go out on their own that's not how the the our the hispanic culture is so we found a place here where we could still have 
our American selves, but have more of the Latin culture um, to have our children be a part of us. So now, now that we're five years in here, like most of them are grown and they live either very, very close by or in the house still. And there is a sense of, and my aunt has moved here also. Your um, aunt moved there too? Yes. <laughs> right now she's a snowbird. She'll be, she'll be um, moving here within the year. She's finishing up her last year of school of teaching in the school and then she but she already has her house she already has her space she comes here at the you know here every about every season she comes down for a couple of weeks and she every time she comes she says i can't i can't wait to just be there so so, so okay so it was eight of you initially that moved from Indiana. Okay, Indiana, I don't know a whole lot about Indiana, but where you live in Indiana, was it somewhat similar to some of the settings that you see in Boquete or was it more city-like? It was, okay, here's where it was alike. Um, it was a small town and Boquete is a small town. So we, we kind of settled into this, into that, where if something happens to someone, everybody knows we were already used to that. So in Boquete, it's kind of like that, uh, especially if you're in the community at all, active in the community at all, and we are active in the community. So anything that happens, everybody knows. And we didn't really have a problem with that because um, Boquete tends to take people and um, build a family because most of the expats who have come here have left family. And so you build a unit here that is like family and uh, very, very supportive. I don't have a single complaint of our community here because they treat me and my family like family, not just neighbors, not just, hey, how you doing? this is they've become my family here so when you say like your neighbors casinos <laughs> are they mostly panamanians are they other foreigners what is your neighborhood comprised of now most my neighborhood we live in a very blue collar uh hands-on neighborhood uh right next to my and my aunt lives four houses down from us Y'all, so I saw it. Y'all, y'all done came in here and took over the <laughs> Yeah, that's Johnsonville up in that piece. It is Johnsonville here, and everybody knows it. Uh -huh. um, right next to my aunt is a man who reupholsters furniture. Right uh, next door to him is a mechanic. Right next door to the mechanic is a, a bus driver. Now, you here in Boquete, I don't know if that's the same in Panama City, but the bus drivers own the buses and they, um, they pay for a position in the bus schedule. So they're responsible now, in, for In Panama, um, they used to have a whole system of red devils and you've probably heard of the um, yes, yeah, yeah. Rojo Diablos. Um, yeah. Yeah, but they kind of put the Red Devils, most of the Red Devils, out of commission. So right now, Panama City has a, you know, a commercial bus line. Munic metro so they have municipal. Yes, it's okay. Yes. See, we it, don't it, have it's that government. Yet. Right, they pay the government to be put on the schedule. Okay, um, in, in, in Boquete. In Boquete, yes, and they take amazingly good care of their buses. They wash them all the time. When, um, we also have taxi drivers in the neighborhood. Um, we've been invited to all their birthday parties. And wow. I mean, it, this, we, we're in the community, not just the expat community, but in the uh, Panamanian community as right. well. So, so the people that you were just talking about, the, you know, the, the mechanic, um, 
you said a posterer and a bus driver. Are they Panamanians or are they expats? They're all Panamanian. All Panamanians. Now, directly across the street, there is a Canadian guy mm -hmm. uh, who's a friend of ours. He is an expat. But again, it's just fit into the hodgepodge of our neighborhood. A little further on, there's a cow pasture, and sometimes cows will go past our house. <laughs> <laughs> They'll herd them past our house to the pasture. Um, and then sometimes if you want your uh, lawn mowed for free, there's a guy who'll bring his goats. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, okay, so tell me, how does the conversation start? Okay, so if you've been there about five years, we're in 2023 at this time. So you came about 2018? Mm -hmm. June okay. of 2018, so you just hit your five-year anniversary. How does that conversation about, let's just leave what we know and adventure out to what we don't know. How does that conversation start? And how do you get from that conversation to hitching up and moving <laughs> to Panama? Walk me through that. Okay, so... Because your kids are what age? When you came, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Your kids, when you came, were what ages? 10 through 22. Okay. So you had, you had, you had a whole wide range of them. Right. <laughs> 10 through 22. Okay. So we know that now. So walk us through it. Okay. So um, getting them up in the morning in the dead of winter being apart from each other, they were beginning, honestly, the kids were beginning to complain about this because even though I guess for, um, for us, we were, miss, we were beginning to miss each other. So um, their father started talking to them about what his culture was like, about how they spent so much time together, how he missed that. And he wanted to go to a place um, where we would have more time to know each other and to be more unified as a family. Not that we weren't there for each other, but the, just the super busyness yes. of the American the culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was to me, it looked like it was wearing on my children, mm. is what it looked like. And, um, so introducing this to them wasn't as big of a deal for them as it was for, you know, the people around us who we informed that we were leaving. Okay. Um, why are you leaving? You know, you don't have, you don't have any, you don't have a job there. You don't have, you know, uh, and we weren't coming as retirees, you know, we were coming as, well, we'll make it work no matter what, you know. We so had you were a, coming pretty much on your savings? Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. And knew that we had a finite amount of time before we had to Figure build something. something. Yes. We understood this. Um, and we told our kids, when you get there, it's not like you're going to grow up. Um, you can go to school online because... <clears throat> because we were homeschoolers and we knew that they they probably choose online colleges uh, or you can go away to college but um you're not going to be able to just go there and get a job right you're going to have to become entrepreneurs you're going to have to think outside of the box yeah exactly yeah. you're going to have to what talent you know we sat and talked about what talents do you have what do you like to wow. do what do you not like to do where, you know, where, where are you going, you know, with your life? So we knew that um, we were going to have kids who were not your average employees for someone. Right. They were going to basically what you were doing was saying, you, you're probably going to need to be an entrepreneur. Right. And you need to figure out how to do that. And I mean, that just makes my heart sing 
because I think that's what we need to be teaching our kids, Rhonda. Anyway. Anyway, period. I think that's what we need to be teaching them in the United States where they can go and get a job. It's like, don't depend on that. Do not depend on that. And any job that you have is going to have a cap. It has a cap. No matter what you do, it has a cap. Somebody else is deciding what you're worth. Exactly. And and there's nothing wrong with working for other people. I I think working for other people, the best thing about it is that, you know, I get to train. I get to I get to get trained on your dime, you know, to build whatever I might want to build later. But I think that I think that was awesome. It's probably changed their life in a very positive way. It really has because they watched me come here and try to find my way. And because and failure wasn't an option because it wasn't like we could just pack up and go back home if it didn't work. You know, we sold our house and that's what we had to live on. So, you know, you're living on what you would have gone back on. Yes. What you would have gone to. Yeah. So there's no there's no going back. You know, I've watched people go back and go, wow, you have that option. I don't have. That so option. how did you, how did you decide on Boquete? Uh, my husband likes um, the mountainous region, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, we also had met a few, a couple of people online. Mm-hmm. We knew that um, we're were Christians and there were there was a pretty strong Christian community. Come to find out we're not quite the same type of Christian. Uh, Nothing wrong with that, but we're just not the same type. So we had to um we didn't break up with them. We're they're still in our community and we still absolutely love these people. It's just that we aren't um we don't go to you don't worship in the same way. Exactly. And and that's not just in Boquete. That is you know, you know, I don't know whether those are uh, North Americans that you're talking about, but even in Panama City, you know, I've been trying to visit more churches um, uh-huh. to kind of just share with um, with our audiences what these churches are like, because it's just not what we're used to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. You know, you don't assume that because I'm a Christian that I'm a Republican. Exactly. You don't assume that because I'm a Christian, we believe the exact same things about right. all political things. And yes. that, uh, so that was, people automatically made assumptions about us. And most of the expat community when we moved here was white. And mm-hmm. uh, which was a little bit disconcerting for my kids because they're so used to a, diversity around them and then when we first got here also a lot of the I'm just going to put it out there the white Christian community had an us and them attitude towards the um, Panamanian Mm. community and Mm -hmm. I I can't say anything but that's what I saw Mm -hmm. and you know, there was a, a sense of they, them, and there's so many times I've had to get on um, groups and correct thinking and correct um, telling them that they've brought some of the things from the United States you want to leave behind. You don't want to bring. They don't that want here. to leave behind. You know, and 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 I and that's kind of how I ended up starting Black Expats in Panama. When I first looked out there trying to find something, trying to find an expat community um, to build on in in Panama City and the area, you know, I I went to Facebook was my go to and I Facebook and girl, the conversations, the entitlements, the negativity that I saw in those groups. I was like, well, this is definitely not me. And when Why you said anything, if, if you said anything like, you know, where do I get my hair done? You know, they, they like make you feel like you're trying to divide and conquer 
because you're black and somebody you need somebody that knows how to do your hair you know so exactly um when my when we first moved here uh there were maybe in our community five total black people wow. we personally doubled the black community just by yeah. moving in that was interesting and little by little i started to see more of the white right expats move out yeah once trump got into office mm -hmm. they left they what, left that was a they bad, left I mean, what do you think and this is the story that a lot of people don't know all we know, and that was when I came and when I spoke on the radio station and everything, I was just telling you what, what is the word on the street. And the word on the street was that MAGA, Confederate flags, you know, that was still very much a part of Boquete. But what do you think it was when Trump got into office? Do you think it was just that they thought, okay, we're safe to go home now? Or what, what do you, why, why do you think they left at that time? Many, many of them <clears throat> came after 2008 when Obama got in office. Okay. Because America was going to be struck by, you know, God. America was going to hell in a handbasket because a right. black man was in the White House. <laughs> right. So it was, that was, you know, and me, I don't get into politics. Yes. You know, I don't like none of it, but I don't think you should be, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be motivated. You know, if Obama got voted into office, it didn't take God by surprise. He's not surprised. Mm -hmm. And if Trump is in office, that didn't take God by surprise. Mm -hmm. So why are you moving your life based on these things? Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. They moved here, a whole bunch of them. And I mean, 250 families, not people families yeah. moved here during the Obama administration. Wow. And 200, 200 and some odd moved back during the Trump administration because they moved back to go make America great again, I guess. Hmm. And soon as they left, I started seeing trickling in um, more people of color thrilled me so I started grabbing them mm -hmm. and about oh gosh a year and a half no it's got to be two years ago two and a half years ago we started the blingos which is the black gringos mm -hmm. and and gringos is a term that I don't know if they use it in other Central and South American countries but I know they do in Panama, they call like Americans gringos. Yes. Well, see, that's one of the things I absolutely love about uh, Panama. They don't, they didn't, they don't care about my color. They care about the fact that I came from the United States and what can I bring from the United States to help out here. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt that when, you know, oh, you're, you're, oh, you're, um, you're American. Can you, can you help my my son learned English, it will help him a lot. They, here, they don't care. And I appreciate, and I'm talking about on every level, like on governmental levels. I've, never, I've filled out all kinds of paperwork in Panama, all kinds. Never once was I asked my race, not one time. The census people came, mm -hmm. did not ask me my race. Really? Now, would that ever happen in the United States? No. Every form I fill out in the United States has those little boxes I got to check. My driver's license here, and you know this, does yeah. not have my race. Well, I don't have a driver's license here. I've been very lazy about that. But been very, I've been very, I've been very lazy <laughs> about that. However, comma, I'm under the impression that this last census they did does as um, Afro-Panamanians get a chance to identify as Afro-Panamanians. So Alfredo filled out our census. I didn't see it. So they didn't, you don't remember seeing anything about Afro or anything on your census? 
they asked me the questions and that was not one of the questions that they asked me they did not and once they figured that i was from the united states they didn't ask me my race okay so what i'm wondering is if they make observations um because i guess they came and interviewed him individually i I wasn't here i I didn't i know that we got that orange sticker saying you know we had the census thing but I know that Afro-Panamanians, a large group of Afro-Panamanians lobbied to have, to be identified as Afro-Panamanians on this census because they never had. But did you hear um, what you said? They had to be lobbied to be recognized that way. In other words, they're not looking at them as just black, like we were always looked at in the United States. Yes. That's, That's amazing to me. Yeah, but you don't, either way, you don't have the the feeling. I always feel like Panama is much more green-centered than Black-centered. Agreed. And what I'm saying is that it's like, okay, how can we work together? How can whatever you got from the U.S. benefit us here? Yeah. And vice versa, because... The thing about Panama that I found about Panama is that Panama is very generous, very generous. So I feel like coming to Panama and living here and being a legal resident of Panama, anything that I can do, not that they need me, not that Panamanians need me, but anything that I can bring um, to Panama so that I'm just not taking from this country. Correct. Uh, that's what I want to do. And that's what I always want to encourage. So let's back up. Panama, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Panama, um, I, I see them take care of us during the pandemic. We're shut in and they went through the neighborhoods giving bags of food. They dropped one off at our house just to make sure everybody was okay. They yeah. didn't say, oh, are you an expat? Are you a this? Are you a that? Right. Uh-uh. They just went through and made sure, you know, and we just want to make sure everybody has, you know, everything that they need. Mm-hmm. It was it was amazing to me. I, I feel very home here, which mm-hmm. like, I, you know, and I digress to where after they left and we began the Blingos, I... The bl- there was maybe a group of like I have to give there's like administrators in the Blingos and there's like wh- which were the founders which was like Joseph and Marcia and um, Michael and me and Vanessa we all got together and we were like how do we make sure that we begin to help each other because we there's things we as black people need to know how to like you said how to how to get your hair done um which you know where can i find this where can i find this um so we're grew from like i'm not kidding there may have been 12 that started that we grabbed when we first started and we're like at 150 now and I, and I need to, I think it's very important to point out that you're saying, you're talking about a WhatsApp chat. Correct. You're not talking about a Facebook group. Uh-uh. You have a Facebook group? We do not yet. Okay. You're not talking about a Facebook group. You're not talking about anything on major social media. So you went from, in the last two and a half years, you went from zero to over 150. Correct. And it's like you said, it's grassroots. It's nuts and bolts. Does anybody know of a place we could, we could rent for such and such and so? Does anybody know where I can buy this? How do I start my, you know, how do I light my oven when the electricity goes off? These things that are just, you know, nuts and bolts things that you need to know when you come to a new country and 
you know, you want to preserve your own culture in that culture, in that country and respect the culture that's in that country. And, and that's it in a nutshell. You know, I get sometimes, I, I'm not going to say I get a whole lot because more than anything, I get love for Black expats in Panama. And, and I think that people, I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that we're working on right now. And I tell my partners that there's two things that have to be present in anything that I do, integrity and intention. Yes. Integrity and intention, you know? And so you'll have some people that want to imply that because you're black, whatever, that your intention is to divide. However, comma, you know, the truth of the matter is, is there are, there are certain things that are unique to us. Unique to us as Black people coming from North America and unique to us in the sense that we're Black people in a foreign country. Correct. A foreign country, in most cases, you know, Spanish-speaking country. Um, and, and for you, you know, in Boquete, where you said five years ago was just a handful of, you know, Black people, you know, living there, that's a whole nother layer of, of, of support that you need, you know, right. at, at least in the city, because Panama City is extraordinarily melanated, okay? Right. It's like primarily, you know, Caribbean, and everybody's melanated. Blonde hair and blue eyes, very rare here. Um, so, you know, we need each other in order to um, just be the best that we can be in the environment that we're in. Have you put in place the tools and marketing strategies that will drive the revenue and growth outcomes for your business? Are you looking to expand your brand and image nationally and globally? Commercials, podcasting, graphics, and marketing support are just some of the ways we can dress up your business for prime time. We are EliteConversations.com. To learn more about us, Check us out at EliteConversations.com, our website, email us at ecpodcastmedia at gmail.com, or call us at 301-900-5703. There are many people that need to know about the wonderful products and services you have to offer. Let Elite Conversations help you to get the word out. is I want to get from the idea and the concept that you and your family have made a choice that you want to do something different. I love your reasons for making that move. Everybody has different reasons. A lot of people just felt like the U.S. was no longer safe for them. And it was just, you know, painfully aware that being Black in the United States, you have a, you have a target on you pretty much. But how do you get from let's do this to doing it. What was that? What did that look like? Did that look like, you know, from that look like six months? Um, did that look like three months, a year? What was the steps that you took 
to get on the road? Okay. Um, first thing we did was we agreed. Um, you know, the kids didn't like leaving their um, friends, of course. But the thought of an adventure, they liked that. Okay. You know, a new, a new start, a new adventure. They liked that. Um, so we went together as a family on a camping trip. We sat around the camp campfire and we asked what if you if we getting a brand new start in a new country, what do you what would you want from that? And each of us, you know, said what it was that we were looking for in a new start, you know, because you I, I wanted to hear from them what their heart was. And so there were the, and I asked them what, what your fears are, what your hesitations are. We all got to discuss, you know, what, what we liked about the idea, what we didn't like about, like about the idea. And then uh, once we all agreed, we began packing up our house. Now we had a, 4,000 square foot, 100, 100 and some odd year old Victorian home um, in on the main street. So everybody knew where we lived. Everybody, you know, uh, and we live like maybe three houses down from an old Samuel Morris home. Like he was, he was the architect. So we... We began packing up our home and it got to be a bit too much for us. So we did hire a, um, a auction house to come pack all our house up and take it away after uh, like three or four days after we left. Um, okay, so you took, you packed up what you could and what you felt you needed the most. Correct. And then you let an auction house come in. Uh -huh. Stop the rest of your stuff and then what, they sell it on your behalf? They auctioned it off on our behalf. They took a percentage and we got a check, which really helped us. Oh, I mean, it just takes a whole lot of the burden. I'm just thinking I have a storage space in the U.S. that I might, you know. <laughs> you might yeah, think about that's that. a good idea. Um, uh, we sold our cars. Um, the person that we sold our big van to, we said, we'll take a certain amount off if you take, a, take us to the airport. And so they packed it. They took us all to the airport. We all had, we bought our, Chris, our um, airline tickets for Christmas. So six months before we left, we, paid, we got our airline tickets. At the time, it, um, Spirit Air was super, super cheap. Um, Spirit Air doesn't even fly there no more. To David. You flew they don't fly, to David or Panama? They don't fly to Panama City anymore right now. Oh, okay. But that was all we could afford. Well, not all we could afford, but we wanted as much money as we could for when we got here. Um, then with some of the people we had met online here, we... Um, asked them to help uh, to videotape a house that we saw for for rent on Encuentro 24. See, you know and that, that that's owned by the E that that's owned by a black woman. Oh really? So mm -hmm. Encuentro uh, we, we found a home on Encuentro and we asked one of the people we had talked to online about Boquete. If they could go see it, they videotaped it for us and sent it to us. We learned about um, we learned about WhatsApp and how to use it, and we began using it before we got here. We flew uh, we flew on my birthday uh, from from Chicago to Panama City, and from Panama City we rode the bus to David and then from David um, that person that videotaped the house for us picked us up and brought us to our new home 
And so when you got here, you had a place to land, you know, another expat, I guess, helped you um, coordinate. That was really something. It really, really was. And um, it was exciting. Um, the house was like maybe a quarter of the size of the home that we had just left. <laughs> so, but it was facing these incredible mountains across this little, um, this little field was this gorge that was amazing to look at. We were like breathtaking views. Um, we were standing in our, on our porch and you watch this, this cloud go across the street and that never wow. in my life have I ever seen anything like this. Wow. So, so every, still to this day, when I drive and I see the scenery around me, I'm like, I live in paradise. I really, wow. really get to live in paradise. You know, for some people, paradise is the beach. For me, there's so much green and foliage around me. It's just so beautiful all the time that there's, and there's rainbows here all the time. I mean, it's just, yeah, and my, kids, my kids are feeling the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And um, gosh, we have so much we could talk about. Um, let me, let me just, let me just hit on the critter factor before we move into your, um, you decided to make a living here. So okay. the critter factor, and the critter factor is always a thing that when you talk about all the green and foliage around you, girl, it makes my nerves bad because I am that person. I am, you know, the more green I see, I know that it's not my place. Green foliage is for lizards and bugs and creatures, not for me. So yeah. tell me, tell me about the critter factor. Now I know then you, you said you went camping. See, I would be uh, courageous enough to go camping, not even glamping. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So I guess you're probably not a scary cat like I am. But for those who are, uh -huh. you know, what was it like moving to a place with all of that foliage and everything that, that comes with it? For us, it's it, it was no big deal. For instance, we lived a lot, uh, quite a while. We had quite a bit of family in Florida. So when we saw the geckos on the wall, it was just the geckos on the wall, which is, you know, we know that they eat mosquitoes. So we know that they're our friends and it's no big deal. Um, so there, yeah, there's critters. We've been, my daughter has been bitten by a um, scorpion before here. Um, it was uh, one time our neighbor got bit by a scorpion and he was, his, his, it, it hit a nerve and his thumb was doing this. Wow. But we have, we have a, uh, what is a herbologist here named Frank Gruber. Mm -hmm. And he makes uh, a tincture for snake bites and he makes a oil for mosquito bites. Cause you know, you're new here. So the mosquitoes love people, new people. So you're, when you first, when we first got here, we did get eaten a lot until we met Frank down at the Tuesday market. And we got a, a jar of his, his tincture, his stuff. Repellent? Is it like a repellent or is it just like to put it's on a, when you get bit? Both. And okay. I have never seen anything work so much. And you know, when we were growing up, we were told that skin so soft worked well. Mm -hmm. Girl, this is like 10 times better. It wow. shuts off the itch it, um, and the mosquitoes don't like you anymore. I, I love, and Frank, Frank likes to talk. He'll tell you what he's done. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll give you a good deal on it. Like, you know, I'm like, I need five jars because yes. I got this many people. You got, you got a big family. Right. So you, had, so you see, so mosquitoes, scorpions is the, is the worst that you've seen. Well, that tincture also, that, that, 
that oil that he made shut off the pain on that. It like neutralizes it. This, he, he spent a lot of time with the nobays here and he learned a lot and he's brought it to us because, and he, uh, he has a way, uh, it just shuts off everything. So the critter factor became yeah. less of a factor because when we first moved here, it was something that bothered me because I'm like, these mosquitoes are tearing us apart. And that was what made it more, I, I, I fa we found a way, you know, yeah. to. Well, I, I would just be more concerned with scorpions, you know, scorpions, um, snakes. I just don't want to encounter them. But people so we have a snake know, expert here named Mike, Mike Hill. So anytime anybody sees a snake, they automatically call Mike, Mike, what is this? <laughs> and Mike will come over and take care of it for you or tell you what it is or tell you, you know, so. So, okay. So tell me one thing that I noticed when I was in Boquete and um, we're going to have to wrap up. I, I'm trying to, trying to have my producer love me. Um, one thing that I noticed was that there are a lot of Black expats who are creating businesses in um in Boquete which I was very impressed with you know you have Pamela Crawford with that amazing geisha farm that she has Caramella and then you have it's a chop chocks chocks you have Nina um with um chocks and that's a chocolate company um, you have Rhonda and you do hair, you do natural hair. And then you also um, own the, it's the, it's the conservatory, but it's the performing arts. It's a yes. performing arts conservatory. So tell us about how, so obviously you decided to make a living by doing hair, but black expats had to come or were you doing neutral hair? I actually, it wasn't until the, um, it wasn't until we started Blingos that I started doing hair because I, I'm, I'm really good with braiding and weaves and things like that. I do all kinds of different hairstyles on my own. You'll see in all the pictures that I gave you, my hair is all kind of di different lengths because I like playing with it. Yeah. And uh, so I, 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 it wasn't until the expat, the black expat started to come that I had more uh, clientele for doing braiding and twists and locks and stuff like that. Um, I started the um, performing arts. I got hired when I first got here to be an assistant in a ballet um, studio up in Volcancito, not far from where you were staying. And when we, I was her assistant, uh, she was actually a, one of the Panamanian uh, theater prima donnas. Mm -hmm. And uh, then she decided to move back to Panama City. And when she moved to Panama City, uh, she shut down the, um, she shut down the, the studio, but left her clients. And so a lot of those students came over to me and then I got connected with the Boquete Community Theater. And they were like, you have students and we have people who want to be on stage, but they would feel like they need more training. So it just, the niche kind of opened for me because I was in the community and I had talents and what I had, you know, the Bible says a man's gift makes room for him. And my gift, what I had, made room for me. So little by little, I started getting more students. And I thought it would be younger people, but it's people who have always wanted to be on stage but never could, yeah. or people who want to try it because, well, I'm retired now. Might as well try something new. Those are my biggest clientele. I well, used to, I I'm used not to surprised by that at all. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all, because that is very common with the expats here. Yeah, the expats here. It's like they come, they're in a different space in life. They get to stop 
and really recognize what is it that I really want to do. Exactly. And have the time and the resources um, to do it. And so it's a big thing. People getting into their artistic, you know, tapping into into their creative selves again. You know, sometimes for the first time. So now we have a big show coming up in September. We have a Motown show. September 15th, right? Yes, September 5th. Last year we did a Broadway review. And this was our first show coming back after the all the shutdowns. And it the reviews were huge. I mean, people loved it. And last year I, I gathered like 15 people and we did a show with 15, uh, a Broadway review show with 15 people. This year we're like at 32. So wow. I know it's, it's going to be big and wonderful. And um, I get to utilize the talents and my kids are getting to watch you know me take what I know to do and make it into something that is making me a living and now they're starting to you know my daughters now teach English Um, my sons started a moving company Um, a couple of my kids are dance teachers with me Um, they're all just doing outside of the box and then together because we don't make a lot individually together we make a household and we make it work that is amazing i mean that that right there is amazing and i think it's the it's a model that we need to be paying more attention to these days honestly so you. you know i want to try to um get together a group trip and come and support the Motown is what, what is it called? Is it the Motown Review or it's Motown Generations? Okay, Motown yeah. Generations. So I definitely want to. We're going to talk about you know getting a group together, and then I want to talk about getting a group of blingos to come out here and experience our cultural Caribbean day. You know, I would love and that. when you it's so different. The the environments are so different between the city and and um, Boquete and tapping into the black history here is gonna be so refreshing for so many of you. But I do have to say that we had a conversation and we talked about the black culture. Well, there really is not that speak of in Boquete. However, comma, we are making history every single day. Yes. And you reminded me of that. You're like, okay, well, we might not have like a, a real deep, you know, um, historical culture, that goes way back, but we're doing a new thing here today. That That's what I told my kids. You have a unique opportunity here. You get to, we, the blingos here, we get to define black culture here. We get to define what it is. We get to define how it works in this community. And so um, I was talking to Nina the other day and Nina was like, we need to be seen at the blood drives we need to be seen at the the um the hospice all the volunteer things that are here yeah not only do we need to be seen because i've always always been been a part of the um uh, boquete players Mm -hmm. and that's where i volunteer and so they know my face and i am the face of black culture Yes. When you are in a homogenous society, you are the face of Black culture in that society. So you get to define what it is. And now, because there's more of us, we get to decide what is our culture, what is our community, what do we do one for another? Exactly. It's a unique opportunity. How do we, how do we want to show up? How do we want to be remembered? What is the legacy that right. to create here, you know, what is the, what is the history? What do we want people to say about us in 50 years? So you're going through these things just by being black expats, you know, we're pioneers, you know, I mean, there have been big migrations of black people in the past. This is something new. We're migrating right. on a large scale to other countries. What is it that we want history to say about that? And we get to decide. You know, and we get to have the opportunity to be unified in 
in making those decisions. So let me ask you this. I'm going to have to let you go, but I, I'm excited to interview your kids about what their experience has been moving abroad, you know, in this kind of family. And, and I, I just think that it's a great model, Rhonda, um, that you have set up. I really do. And I really want to talk to your kids and get their direct perspectives on it. But tell us, how do we find you? People really want to know, how should they connect with Blingos? You know, okay. how do we connect with the conservatory? So give us some um, connections and um, a parting thought or two on being a Blingo in Boquete. Okay, so um, easiest way to connect with me is uh, Facebook because they use Facebook a lot here in Boquete. So I am Rhonda C. Johnson on Facebook. If you want to, I don't mind putting my um, phone number out there. Okay. It's 507-6414-8538. I'm one of the administrators. Once you contact me and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a blingo, you know, I'm a black person here in, in you know, in Panama, who wants to be connected, um, I'll put you in the Blingos group because our Blingos have people in who have who were started here and moved to Panama City, moved to Cologne, moved to yeah. Coronado. So we're actually everywhere now. So how about um, people that aren't here yet? I mean, can they be a part of it, or how does absolutely. that work? I have. See, here's the thing: you want to. That's something we didn't get a chance to talk about, but. You want to move here and just be regular middle class. You're not here trying to be, you know, uh, oh, sorry, but you, bougie and, and trying to, <laughs> you want just a regular, I got you because I know all the Panamanians and I know when something comes up for rent. Yes, I'm the one that you want to talk to because I had that person when we moved here. Right, that I had exactly. the person who videotaped a, a house for me and, mm -hmm. and told me what where to get this and where to get that. So yeah, I can be that for you. Mm -hmm. Good, good deal, good deal. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you for being so gracious when I visited um Panama, you know, you and Nina were just absolutely amazing. And all those people came out. And then, you know, you're letting the radio station know that I was there and hooking me up with an interview. I mean, it was just awesome. And I feel like, you know, I feel like the, the Black expats in Panama movement was received well in yes. uh, Boquete. And we definitely are looking forward to coming back. Our first official trip back is going to be for your Motown generations. Okay, so definitely. And I'm hoping to have you guys out the beginning of December for our last cultural relocation, uh, for our, our, our cultural Caribbean day of the year. So that's what I'm okay. hoping. So hopefully we can we can get that together. I love you, sis. Thank you for embracing me. And I look forward to uh, working with you. And I will talk to you later. All right. See ya. All right. Thank you. See, y'all know how we do. Y'all know how we do. I have the best people on this show. And I was talking about it, I think, last week. And I was just saying that. People that I get to interview, they just make this so easy for me um, because the conversations are so interesting. I just be trying to focus on, you know, trying to get it done, you know, and not going too much over my time. Um, you know, Rhonda is a pioneer in Boquete, along with some other um, blingos over there, Um she is willing and open to um, to greet you in Boquete when you get there. Um, I just feel like you need to see and explore things for yourself. So what we're working on right now, just so you know, just so you can put it in your pipe, is that we're going to go over to her um, uh, September 15th Motown Generations, I think she said it was called. And we want to get a trip, uh, a group of black expats in Panama to meet up with the Blingos in 
in Boquete because we are one, right? And I just think it's a good idea for us to uh, collaborate on more things and just kind of bring um, the groups together. So I am super, super, super excited about um, all of this, guys. And um, I will see you next week. I'm just trying to keep it short and sweet this time, okay? Um, I will see you next week. And until then... I want to give a shout out to my main man, Daryl Spears, Elite Conversation Podcast Media, and um, thank him for just working with me and just always putting things together for me. I thank you and I appreciate you, Daryl. You're my man. Um, so thank you. And um, I want to tell you to follow us everywhere at Black Expats in Panama, Black Expats in Panama underscore on Instagram. And I also want to leave you with a Prince tune, which is um, Rhonda's favorite, one of her favorite artists from the 70s and 80s was um, Prince. And we're going to go with, I want to be your lover. So we're going to leave you with, I want to be your lover um, by Prince. Um, I love you. I love you. I love you. And there is just nothing that you can do about it. This is Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama, by way of Little Old Glassboro, New Jersey, right here on BlackCityRadio.com. Peace, y'all. Ciao. Mm-hmm.